Welcome to Everything Under the Moon with Mel and Stell. All right, guys. So we finally got what we wanted. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? We've been waiting for this for a long time. Disclosure. <laughs> Disclosure. I spoil it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Disclosure. We got it, kind of. Not really. So <laughs> I know uh, all of the internet and indeed all of the world has been abuzz with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence report released titled Preliminary Assessment Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And this was on the 25th of June. And so basically, in layman's terms, the, the, uh, DOD has declassified information that they have about UFOs. Yeah, and they, I don't know when they hinted to this in March, I think, because that's when the study yeah, like, was finished running for mm -hmm. 2021. Um, so I know, especially on Reddit, Alien, yeah, I was the alien say subreddit's that, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that um, seems they to were, be about right, yeah. Yeah, they were excited about it regardless. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do tonight, we are going to completely read uh well, maybe not verbatim, but we are going to read the entire nine-page report, preliminary assessment, for all of you out there and kind of sum it up so that it's in layman's terms and talk about what this really means in terms of, you know, UAPs and UFOs and what the government is doing. Because this is really only the beginning, you know, of this task force. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's what I'm going to call it. Please, please call it a task force. All I've ever wanted is a task force. <laughs> Leslie, no. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's the best. Um, I, I would call it that. I mean, they're basically, you know, we'll get into it, but basically what they're doing is just setting up a program so that it can be reported, so that UAPs can be reported and not be mm -hmm. blown off anymore. Um, but we're Absolutely. Gonna and, like, this is definitely a case of, like, we are creating the kind of content that we wish was out there. Like, I wish that, you know, I don't really feel like sitting and reading a nine-page report necessarily, like, on any given day, but am I willing to dedicate the time to have somebody to read it to me and talk about it? Like, certainly. I'll admit, we started reading this. We were going to we were gonna read it before and then just talk about it, but about on the second page, we just started ranting so much and having great conversation that we decided to record it yeah, and just call that the it. episode. Yeah. So we're going to read. Most of it is like the first time we're in depth reading it. I skimmed it a little today. but um, So you're going to get our live reactions. I hope it's fun. All right. So uh, before we start, I just want to talk a little bit about maybe what we know and feel about UFOs. I know you're supposed to call them UAPs now, but in my brain, I'm calling everything past like 2000 or, you know, pre 2000 UFOs like Roswell. As long as everybody knows what you mean, I don't see the mm. harm. True. I feel okay. like the person that would interrupt me when I'm trying to talk about UFOs to say, technically, it's UAPs now is what they're called. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would want to have a conversation <laughs> with that person. True. You're always I, the voice of reason. Still. I, I want to reserve judgment, but it doesn't bode well from that point <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Well, I, you know, I've always been into UFOs and aliens, obviously. Ancient Aliens was a fun thing for my family to watch together growing up. That was how we bonded with mm -hmm. shows. And uh, this all started, I think, in 2017 with the Tic Tac UFO sighting. 
And that's the one that most people, you know, is in their psyche now when they the think UFO. The Tic UFO sighting. You don't know what that is? Or should I just describe it for I all the people at actually, home? Actually, this time, well. You might know point. what it is, but you this might not. This time I don't. You don't actually? I don't okay, know. wow, that's awesome. Well, I have an article here, and uh, it's not the most detailed because it's a recap. You know, she saw it 17 years ago. Okay. It was from like 2004, I think, the original sighting. Let me double check. Wait, 2004 was 17 yeah. years ago. Hold on, I gotta catch my breath yeah. for a second. Ooh, well, yeah. Let that sink 2004 in. Was 2004 actually, was yep. 17 years ago. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Fuck me. Well, I was dude. eight in 2004. <laughs> That's so funny. So I, my memories of 2004 are pretty vague. That was freshman year of high school Aww. for me. That's so cute. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Basically, it was two people, a woman and a man. I'm sorry. I don't know. Their, I'm trying to get their names off of here. Um, David Fravor and... Alex Dietrich. Alex Dietrich, the woman, well, I think she was one of the main people who came out. Because that's who he interviewed in this article I'm reading. Anyway, basically what happened is they're flying and they see some bubbling on the ocean, like on the surface. And a white, uh, a white UFO comes out of the water and it's shaped like a giant white Tic Tac. <laughs> and it like hovers above the water and then it... Probably not getting this exactly right. We should probably look it up. But... It, like, hovers above the water, and then it, like, zooms all around and, like, does all of these, like, non-ballistic motion type stuff. You know, way out flies them. And then it's gone suddenly. And then when they get to the place that they were going, it beat them there. And it's there, waiting for them. And they see it again. So, you know, <laughs> that was huge. And it broke on the New York Times in 2017. Or, yeah, 2017 is when it came out. And uh, clearly, this is a viral marketing strategy for Big Tic Tac. Big Tic Tac. <laughs> big. Tic-tac. Cannot remember the last time it's I bought it. It's the Big Tic Tac lobby. That's Tic-tac. what it is. <laughs> you know, when I learned that Tic Tacs, the nutrition info is wrong. Absolutely. Because well, they're it's... not required to label so much sugar, and they're serving like it's like a loophole. It's not fair that Tic Tacs get pointed out for that because Pam, the cooking spray, tried to pull the exact same shit. They tried to say that it's less than a gram of fat per mm. serving, so let's call it fat-free. And like, then they said, you cannot because... call oil fat-free. <laughs> like, we like, have to draw the line. And it's not fair to, you know, Tic Tac is yeah, only here's one the thing. of everyone I need Pam. I need it. I'm going to buy it. Okay. I don't need Tic Tacs. <laughs> like, I'm not going to buy them anymore because now I'm like, oh, fuck so you, then Tic Tacs. Well, wouldn't it be more important then that the Pam is not lying to yeah, you? Yeah, I don't give a shit, though. That's not what this is Pam's about. Pam's a lying This is about big tic It's about big tic my point. Get on point. Big tic-tac's a conspiracy and Pam's a lying whore. Next. Put it in the show notes, bitch. So, yeah, they have the sighting and um, the, it didn't have any visual means, visual, uh, like, propelling, mo- propelling action like there was no mode of flight they could see it was just floating so that's kind of interesting and this is that's only one of the sightings that they're studying in this uh thing even though it happened in 2004 but since it came out in 2017 the because you know this report let me look at acrobat this report is only including sightings from november 2004 to march 2021 okay so i guess they started it the very first 
case is November 2004 of yes. this program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's essentially the one that started it. Well, my experience with aliens is uh, basically I always wonder if they're out there and if they think about me, too. And I wonder if I believe in the aliens does that mean that somewhere, someplace, an alien believes in me? <laughs> Michael Scott. There's an astronaut on a tiny planet. And he can see me. And he knows I'm sad. <laughs> Sorry. Is my whole personality just quoting movies? Quoting shows? Um, You're keeping me I was going to say, I'll be the crazy one and just come out. I completely believe in aliens. I absolutely believe that our government has contact with uh, interdimensional species and interdimensional, is that the right word? Intergalactic species. I mean, it could be both. Yeah, whatever. I think that they know a hell of a lot more than they're going to tell us. And then that, that's that. I don't think we can change that. Um, but I do think it's fact. And I think we have a lot of evidence in witnesses like Terry Lovelace, for instance. I don't know. I think if there's a lid on it, then the aliens must want a lid on it, too. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, because otherwise, like, it wouldn't be up to the government, really, whether or not they reveal themselves. Because they could, like, touch down and stand on a podium and talk to all of us if they wanted to. Yeah, but to. they don't give a shit about us. True. We're just like the, we're like the fodder in the cannon, you know. We're the proletariat of the society <laughs> like we don't mean shit those are the secrets that i'm okay with them keeping away from us <laughs> if it's like if know. it's that we're if the do. secret is that we're not important enough for aliens to talk to us then is they that a secret, that secret. <laughs> i feel like that's fact because they haven't talked to us yet oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> alien, an alien would totally love to talk to me dude they haven't yet <laughs> so. i mean not, not that i can remember they could be drugging me though very fair. I do wonder. There's things that have happened to me in my life that I wonder. So I like to come off as like I'm a cool skeptic who doesn't believe in anything except what they can see. But it's just because I'm like tough on the outside and soft on the inside. <laughs> Good. So it's possible that they've been systematically kidnapping me for my entire life and abducting me in a series of like partially remembered situations. Or it could be bad dreams. So <laughs> I just try to keep my mind open. Could just be bad dreams, maybe. <laughs> definitely not being open. But do I hope that they're real and they're out there? Like, definitely. Like, I hope that the world is even more interesting than I think it already is. I I'm so down with that. Well, do you want to get started? Absolutely. I've got um, the first heading is scope and assumptions. Yeah, I was going to uh, sum up the first couple paragraphs here because it is a little dense this report it's important to know that it's made for lawmakers it is given to i think probably members of congress and senate and mm -hmm. other people in the national intelligence office um the first paragraph basically says that the preliminary report is provided by the odni uh, director of national intelligence and um it, the purpose of it is to submit an intelligent assessment of the threat posed by UAPs and the progress that the Department of Defense has made in understanding this threat. So they're taking into account only military 
um, sightings, you know, sightings by people in the armed forces. I want to read at least the next sentence or two of the next paragraph. Sure, just where do it, it says this report provides an overview for policymakers of the challenges associated with characterizing the potential threat posed by UAP while also providing a means to develop relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and other U.S. government personnel if and when they encounter UAP, so as to enhance the intelligence community's ability to understand the threat. So that's awesome. <laughs> so this means that the government maybe, might be, taking this seriously <laughs> and developing and, contingency plans for aliens yeah that's the funny part i was reading this and i was <laughs> i read the other u.s government personnel if and when they encounter uap and my uh -huh. sister's in the army and i'm just imagining <laughs> my sister fighting aliens <laughs> and like trying to find out what the process yeah, is like for that. Hand like hand what's the protocol <laughs> Oh, do they no. <laughs> do they teach you about different types of aliens and how to defend them? I listen to uh, a Kryptonaut podcast. Kryptonaut's really good too. You should check them out. They did a podcast about this alien sighting in Sweden, I think, where they were like jelly blobs, and they were just like jelly creatures. And when you like tried to punch them, you would like go through the jelly. Like, do you think that the military is gonna have like debriefs on like <laughs> jelly aliens? Anyway, one can only hope. So basically the last paragraph in that section just yeah. says who it's prepared for. And yeah. that's all the armed forces, the FBI, the NRO, the NGA, you know, a bunch of those letter groups. Everybody that's involved with this. And then the next section is assumptions. So various forms of sensors that register UAP generally operate correctly and capture enough real data to allow initial assessments but some UAP may be attributable to sensor anomalies. Yeah, I think that's pretty standard, right? They yeah. are so kind it's of... saying that, like, you know, some of it might be sensor anomalies, but we have enough data to assume that there is a real thing, physical thing happening in the physical world. Yeah. And so the next, the next part is the kind of meat of the paper. It's the executive summary, and they kind of bring it back to that. Um, I'm just going to read this verbatim if that's okay. The limited amount of high-quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. So basically, not enough reputable people, they think, are reporting these UAPs to figure out what it's about. Or it's just saying that, like, you know, also most of the evidence that we have is anecdotal like i yes. saw this i took this picture mm -hmm. and there's no like instruments or measurement involved yeah or physical proof exactly um it goes on to say the unidentified aerial phenomena task force yes i was uh, right it's dream called a job task force <laughs> yeah, oh awesome. <laughs> oh so bad why was i not recruited for this <sighs> I know Super we got it. We got to call him. We, I, gotta send I, him I need to join unidentified aerial phenomena task force. And I need to send in my resume ASAP. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get us some <laughs> aviators right now. Fuck yeah. Um, considering. Okay. So the <laughs> unidentified aerial phenomenon task force considered a range of information on UAP described in U.S. military and intelligence community reporting. But because the reporting lacked sufficient specificity, ultimately recognized that a unique 
tailored reporting process was required to provide sufficient data for the analysis of UAP. So like they said, we're trying to create a really well-tailored UAP reporting process. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, and then they have these two bullet points, and I'm going to read those, and I think they're loaded with mm-hmm. information. Absolutely. As a result, this is where we started ranting really hard. <laughs> As a result, the UAPTF, shout out, concentrated its review on reports that occurred between 2004 and 2021. The majority of these are a result of this new tailored process to better capture UAP events through formalized reporting. That kind of surprised me because I didn't even know they were revamping their... basically, UFOs, you better watch out because we are about to science the fuck out of you. I don't think we can out-science them, honestly. Wow. We can try. Not with that attitude. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. We're going to the moon, Jack. All right. Uh, Okay, the next bully point. This is so good. Most of the UAP reported probably do probably do represent physical objects given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors, including radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. So this is saying that most, most, of, the, yeah. most of the things we see fly in a way that we don't know how it works. We have zero, we don't, uh, maybe that's not, maybe I'm dramatizing, but we don't know how they're flying. Usually this non-ballistic motion, you know, flying in like circles up and down, basically defying gravity, no propulsion systems visit, like visible. Yeah, it's just, and I mean, they're saying most, most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects. Boom done like i don't know i just think that's so spicy for a government report you know like the driest of dry papers (laughs) like it's so exciting to see something like that that they're saying most of the uap reported probably do represent physical objects i'm smacking my chair because i'm so excited you're probably yeah i mean they're admitting a lot in a very casual way um i want to point out that when I read that bullet point, the first thing I thought of was when uh, we there have been sightings of UFOs. I can't can't say it's UAPs. fine. Just do whatever you so want. That UFOs have uh, broken the sound barrier without a sonic boom, and our, I think we just figured out how to do that very recently. And that's just one example, and that's why I feel like this. And isn't paper that what a all, bit, like? Isn't that what all of our research that we have done goes back to like over and over and over again it's that at the time of these reports there's no explanation like scientifically for what these people are describing but then later on science catches up in a way we figure out how to do it really and and then it's like yeah it's just amazing then there's a nice bold paragraph after this which is super cool too god i need to stop saying that the whole thing's (laughs) fucking cool yeah. In a limited it. number of incidents, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be a result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. Okay, I totally had it backwards. This is where they're saying all of these things are flying in the way that we don't know. I'm going to have to cut that thing before because you were right. You totally, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> 
I just think it's amazing. I, it's just blowing my mind. And I just feel like I'm just saying that over and over again at various volumes and, and while smacking and hitting different things within my arm's reach because I'm so excited about this. But, you know, I think I could just go on. Oh, uh, spoofing. I, that, I thought that was interesting. Like I said, these observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misperception. So I just spoofing? thought that was interesting, like spoofing, because, uh, you know, that means somebody creating an artificial projection of some sort or, like, imitating a radar reading of a craft that's not mm. there. It doesn't necessarily make sense, but I kind of like it. I like that word because it feels nefarious. I mean, in the way that I like a really spooky. Trickster like, vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm such a, I, I am such a trickster sometimes. I it is. Help, but it's I love trickster it. god energy. Like, who's out there spoofing vehicles and people who things want. Things on radar. I have seen this, or I've seen, I've heard this theory that, like, people who have one experience that is unprovable to other people will go on to fake other experiences to try and prove the entire thing because they know it's real and they did have one real occurrence, but they have this desire to prove it wrong. And so they fake evidence. Like I think uh, the Delphos ring, have you heard of that case? No, I haven't. This guy saw a UFO in like Kansas, I think. And it was probably real there's evidence there was physical evidence like of someone the UFO. else saw it too no just physical evidence and uh but then they think that he f he faked it or changed his story to make it more believable because he was tired of being ridiculed that seems like sounds like human nature so yeah it does that makes sense yeah do you want to re read the next part yeah so um there are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the available reporting. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. So this is where we expect to classify the different uh, types of UAPs here. Mm -hmm. um, we have airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or U.S. industry developmental programs. Bookmark that. Yep. <laughs> Foreign adversary systems and a catch-all other bin. That other bin other. is a whole pot of tea. Ooh, yeah. It's like, its own <laughs> whole pot of tea. I yeah. mean, it's so good. <laughs> um, and we're going to come back to that. But with this is we're starting to get to the part I haven't read. So okay. I just, when you said USG and U.S. industry development programs, yeah. the first thing that came to mind was the Jeremy Corbell documentary with, what the crap is his name? I can never remember the guy who worked at uh, a plant in Nevada for the government with UFOs, and he came out. Yeah, I know what you're, I can't. something. Oh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. God, I yeah. have to, hold on. It's like Lazar. Bill right. Lazar, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Yeah, okay. he claims to have worked with, like, he thinks they were UFO, UFOs we collected from the Roswell crash, and he was a part of trying to reverse engineer their propulsion systems. Mm -hmm. And I completely believe him. I know that he has some sketch past, but I do think that people in this situation like you his. You believe his whole story about like going to an underground base and like nobody warned him about aliens and then he sees them and he freaks out. Well, he didn't see aliens. That wasn't him. 
he saw one time he saw like what he thought was an alien in a chair and like two people were talking to it but then he took it back because he was like I only saw the back of its head like somewhat and he thought it might have been like a doll that they were like trying to size because I guess the spaceship like they could see the inside and it was really small so they were trying to like size the aliens so he did see something We've had this discussion before where yeah. there is, um, there's another guy or you like we, you and I have debated back and forth and I know that it's like probably my mistake in remember, remembering, oh my gosh, no. but there's another, don't be so mean to my friends. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there, I remember that there's a guy who used to work in intelligence and he had like a really super high clearance. Um, and he ended up going to an underground base and he, he describes a story of meeting the greys for the first time, but nobody told him that aliens were real or existed or anything. So the first time he sees one of the greys, he pulls out his gun and shoots one. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it ends up being, like, an, a big incident. And, like, this wow. is in one of those deep underground bases. And, yeah. like, he's telling this story at the conventions, and I swear it's the same guy. And he ended up dying of – he ended up – committing suicide or dying suspiciously like yeah i think and it, he'd even said if anything happens to me i would never kill myself well that's not bob lazar because he's alive okay then so that settles that i didn't realize he was still alive yeah because jeremy corbell's uh documentary just, came out just a couple months ago i think we should look into that that one about the guy shooting an alien like there are a ton of biographies i need to read especially um there's the guy who Jesse Marcel Jr. He's the son of Jesse Marcel, who was one of the first Air Force officers on the scene of the Roswell crash. And he actually brought home wreckage from the crash. And his son, Jr., played with the wreckage as a kid. And now he wrote a book about his dad's experience. Oh, I have to read it. That's that's crazy. So the only um the only information I could find on that guy, like the story that I'm that I'm talking about, I heard that on like a it's a YouTube video, like potato camera footage mm. from like a hotel. What am I like a conference, conference room? room. Yes, yeah. so it was like a hotel conference room and somebody's recording on like an old ass camera gotcha. and it's like bad quality everything. But what he's saying is just. You know, and he really seems to be like somebody who's afraid, but he's like, I'm terrified, but I have to tell as many people as possible. And he was like, doing these actually keeps me safe because yeah. if I like become a, the more of a public figure I am, the easier Safer. it would be to notice. Yeah. If yeah. I that's missing. why that's why Bob Lazar came out with his face and name and stuff, because he was like, this is insurance. If I go missing, people will know I'm gone yep. um, because the first time he came out, it was anonymous. Mm hmm. Oh, I really want to know about the grays, though. Yeah, that's all I can tell you. The only information I have is that it was a potato quality video on YouTube. I'm just rambling. <laughs> all right, can I read the next one? Yeah, go ahead. UAP clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. Safety concerns primarily center on aviators contending with an increasingly cluttered air domain. UAP would also represent a national security challenge if there are foreign adversary collection platforms or provide evidence a potential adversary 
has developed either a breakthrough breakthrough or disruptive technology. So this is where the language of this gets mm -hmm. so it's not user friendly and they make this for lawmakers. And I don't I think it's kind of a scam that the government makes things hard to read because we should all be able to understand it. But let's try to sum basically. This up. So UAP represents a national security issue if it's a foreign adversary um, or if it is a a new technology. I love the words breakthrough or disruptive t technology. Yeah, <laughs> or provide struggling. evidence that a potential adversary. So they're saying, like, if we think anyone else has technology that we can hurt us, then they're a threat. Yeah, exactly. That's true, and though. This is exactly how I imagine Joe Biden's administration to go. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I feel like it's going to be a little mini George Bush. Oh, no. Who am I to say? I, you know, whatever. I had high <laughs> hopes. I'll just say that. Um, that you sounded so tired and. I am tired. And, and like, aren't we all fucking yeah, tired? Like, yeah, aren't we? Like, I'm so tired of this government. I. I don't know. I'll just say it. I volunteered for Bernie Sanders for like eight years worth too. of campaigning and stuff. And I just think we need fundamental change in our government. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. Bernie was my president. Yeah. I mean, and I don't agree with every one of his policies, but we do need money out of politics and we need like laymen in office. We need people who actually represent our people in office. We need to get rid of gerrymandering, like all that stuff, you know, that makes things, makes it a freer place for us to live because we're not free. We need to, illusion. we need to, um, fund and put a lot of emphasis on critical racial theory. I haven't read anything about critical racial theory. It's yet. brand new. I know it just and, came out. Yeah, yeah. just, it, it, you know, it, and for, for the audience, it, um, is basically uh, sociology taking a look at the way um, systems can be oppressive on their own without mm -hmm. anybody like lifting a finger and doing anything oppressive or racist that the system itself is built to be exactly. racist. And it's just Which, a way to understand yeah. that critically so that eventually everybody gets a fair shake. And I vote we finish this page and take a quick break. Sure, yeah. Sorry, am I doing okay? I'm not No, you're doing you. great. Okay, good. Can I, do you want to read the last paragraph? Mm-hmm. Okay. Consistent consolidation of reports from across federal government, standardized reporting, increased collection and analysis, and a streamlined process for screening all such reports against a broad range of relevant USG data will allow for a more sophisticated analysis of UAP that is likely to deepen our understanding. Some of these steps are resource intensive and would require additional investment. So basically it's saying creating a system to categorize, describe, and disseminate information and reports would be beneficial to us in matters of national security, but will cost money. <laughs> Which yeah, is what I get from that. Please invest. In us. <laughs> and but is worthwhile. Yeah. I think it's important too, you have to understand that this was the Senate called for this, right? Mm -hmm. The Senate called for this investigation and that's who it's being presented to. So when they say it requires additional investment, 
I immediately took it as like invest now, but that's not what they're saying because that's not the point. They're basically just saying you're going to have to allot funds to this you have in to the create budget. It, to create the infrastructure. Yeah. And yeah, so that was just my own little <laughs> misunderstanding real quick. I was like, I'm not sending you my money. Like- <laughs> invest now. The apocalypse exactly. is coming. <laughs> oh, we should end on that. And I love cut. it. The government. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, I just think it's so funny. Like now thinking the government re- releases these reports and they're like, we don't know when. We don't know where. We don't know how. But aliens are fucking coming, y'all. And if you don't pay up, they're going to probe us in the ass. So you better Legit. give us money today. They're like, Space Force failed, bitch. <laughs> we need a task force and a budget. Get Leslie note for your task force. That'll fix it. And we're back. And it looks like in this, we have now started uh, the page four. And the heading says, available reporting, largely inconclusive. So I think that we can all, like, fairly state that that's going to be the end result. It's basically spoilers. They put spoilers in here (laughs) right in the front. (laughs) Yeah, government spoilers. So um, at least got to be fair about that. They didn't try to uh, hide it. Yeah, I just wish... My hopes were high, (laughs) but they were unfounded hopes, so. So limited data leaves most UAP unexplained. Uh, Limited data and inconsistency in reporting are key challenges to evaluating UAP. No standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March 2019. Interesting. The Air Force subsequently adopted that mechanism in November 2020, but it remains limited to USG reporting. The UAPTF regularly heard anecdotally during its research about other observations that occurred which were never captured in formal or informal reporting by those observers. So it happens. It sounds like um, around uh, November 2020 when the Air Force adopted, adopted those mechanisms of reporting and everything that have been laid out. I mean, I wonder if it was because... Uh, COVID and lockdown meant that they just didn't have that much else to do. <laughs> so maybe they finally had time to like get around to that. Yeah, it I seems, wonder, it I seems wonder like, what the catalyst was for that. Yeah, boredom, maybe yeah. <laughs> at this point. That's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting too that they, they're using reports from 2004 on, but there wasn't a standardized, they said there was a standardized way to do it in 2004 but now they're saying there's only one in 2019 and only for the air force and usg reporting so what is it or is it both and i'm being naive i mean i think i don't know i I think the point is maybe not i think the point is that they need to make make it more and better like their their methods of they're just laying out the past yeah basically All right, can I read the next one? Yeah, go for it. After carefully considering this information, the UAPTF focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators and that were collected from systems we consider to be reliable. I wonder if they'll tell us what that meter of reliability is. These reports describe incidents that occurred between 2004 and 2021 
with the majority coming in the last two years as the new reporting mechanism became better known to the military aviation community. We were able to identify one reported UAP with high confidence. In that case, we identified the object as a large deflating balloon. The others remain unexplained. <laughs> so one out of 144 reports wow. <laughs> was explained. Um, so that's so they... and it sounds to me like it sounds to me like um, what is being said indirectly also is that these reports are becoming so many and so frequent that a system is actually needed to address it now. Yeah, it it's just like happening it. so overwhelmingly often that they're like, yeah, we need to consider this as a part of our like daily checklist or something. And recently, because they say the last most of the sightings come from the last two years. So, so wow. it's ramping up. Something's ramping up. So uh, maybe this is maybe this year or last year is uh, when the technology for the real time machines or probably time dilation or distortion machines. Mm. Uh, like, you know, maybe that's when they start to get developed. But you can only go back in the past like so far, like to the point at which the machine was created. Yeah. So like maybe that maybe we're starting to. Uh, See the effects of people mucking about with time. <laughs> I love that. Dimension. That would be awesome. Because <laughs> we never know either. I have just no proof whatsoever. In this world. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. So they go on to say 100 and 144 originated reports originated from USG sources. And what is that? Is that United States? Government sources. Government. Okay. Yeah. Of these, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. Most reports described UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. So there seems to be an intelligence about the environment of the UAP because they, it seems to imply that they are showing up where we already have planned activity. And that lends to the story of the Tic Tac where it, see, it seemed to know where they were going. That's so wild that it happens It happens often enough that it actually interrupts military exercises. Yeah. Like that it actually messes with their plans. Yeah, that's – oh, it's so cool. Kind of reminds me of uh, at the International Museum of Aliens in Roswell. They have a video you can watch. It's really long and kind of monotone. <laughs> so I only watched the first 15 minutes. But um, they basically start out by saying that the – Aliens, alien presences were, alien <laughs> beings were alerted to our presence as a planet when we dropped the bombs during World War II because that would created, you know, a sound boom or whatever that they could detect us and that that was the beginning of them coming here. And it's just increasing and increasing with our development of military technology. And you know what is so interesting too is just that there is this whole division within mankind of like pre-atomic and atomic age yeah like at some sense there's like almost this there's almost this global idea that we actually changed in the essence like in our essence we changed as human beings once atomic uh technology was developed and i wonder why people feel that way with all of the all of the inventions that are out there like why is it the atom the splitting of the atom well, I don't know if it's necessarily the creation of the atom bomb or the dropping of it, because that leads me to think that it's this cognitive, uh, this 
this thing that we know as a society now where we have the ability to completely annihilate other people, other human beings, and we will use it. I think that was huge in terms of human progressive progress progression. progression. <laughs> God, I'm losing the tenses. Uh, in human progression, that's huge. You know, we've always killed each other, but this is this is horribly violent and it's horrific. Vaporizing people, I yeah, guess. and and destroying the earth. Also, I mean, it's it's hurting yourself too because we're all hurting the earth and. It's just the knowing that we've gone to that limit just out of our own. And you know what, too? I think, it, you know, developing those uh, weapons and technologies, like it also represents a point where we can actually create something that we know without a fact will last way beyond our own existence as a species. Yeah. And that is nuclear waste. Isn't that a shame? That's kind of crazy. Well, when we think about it, uh, the half-life of some of these things is like hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. And, and I think that at this point right now, I feel like I read somewhere that, you know, it's going to be like 430,000 years before some places um, are going to be habitable again. Yeah. Oh, man, it's... We could actually destroy the earth. I mean, There's if someone already... <laughs> dropped a nuke mm -hmm. on any part of the world, it would drastically affect the rest of us in deathly ways. And uh, what's that movie on Netflix with George Clooney that I kept telling you? I mean, you watch half of it and you got really bored because it's kind of oh, slow. Oh, yeah. But basically the premise is that uh, they find a, a moon of Jupiter to colonize, to colonize and... In the process of coming back from like the first Space exploratory, yeah, it's like across the galaxy or something. Okay. Um, they basically like humans nuke the Earth before the spaceship gets there, and so the spaceship is all that's left essentially of humanity. And that's just the beginning. Like I'm not spoiling anything. That's just the beginning. So the next part talks about the challenges of collecting UAP information. I assume. Uh, so sociocultural stigmas and sensor limitations remain obstacles to collecting data on UAP. Although some technical challenges, such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter to ensure safety of flight from military and civilian aircraft, what? I know, it's, we're, they, it's so hard. Although some technical challenges such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter to ensure safety of flight for military and civilian aircraft are long-standing in the aviation community, while others unique to the UAP problem set. So this is like so, so many words mm -hmm. um, to say actually very little. I yeah. guess that's the whole government for you. Is it's that just, not lawyer speak? I mean, yeah, it, it's legalese out the wazoo. Yeah, so they're basically saying this is hard <laughs> to document them, and it's been an issue for a long time of yeah. safety. Paragraph saved, right? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> God, I should be a senator. There you go. Mel and Stell for office. Love it. <laughs> All um, right. Do you want to keep going? Yeah. Uh, so narratives from aviators in the operational community and analysts from the military and IC – uh, describe disparagement associated with observing UAP. So basically reporting it like people don't report it because they're embarrassed mm -hmm. um, or attempting to discuss it with colleagues. 
Um, Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific policy, military, and intelligence communities engage on the topic topic seriously in public, uh, reputational risk may keep many observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the topic. I love that. They kind of say there that the purpose of this I, and I, I get that the purpose of this might be to assuage people to come forward with their stories because they're taking it, taking it seriously now. Yeah, that's great. And they're like, it happens so much now. And yeah, and the more people that come forward, the more that will come forward. Too. Yeah, and like, they want to hear it. Think of how many people are keeping a lid on something that they may have seen or experienced just because they're embarrassed, right? Oh, I think there are a ton of people who keep things to themselves because they don't even want to believe it either. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it goes on to say, uh, the sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions. As a result, these sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. Mm. So just giving us like a little bit of a summary so far. The problem is that people are embarrassed um, to report it. The radar that's picking it up isn't actually designed to pick it up. So then I think what's going to come next is, like, we also need to develop that technology. Like, we need to develop radar that is designed to detect that and not other things. Um, And then the other challenge is sensor vantage points and the numbers of sensors currently observing an object play substantial roles in distinguishing UAP from known objects and determining whether a UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. Optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into relative size, shape, and structure. Radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. So we need actually like a whole suite of tools to be added to the arsenal. Yeah, and we need to add them, it seems, specifically to collect this information. So they need a bunch of different sensor abilities working concurrently. I'm, it's really it's a lot more detailed than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's I like, like the so plan we need we out. need money, boom we need money mm-hmm. and we need nuclear AK forty sevens. Here's our challenges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can I go on? Yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, the next little header, but some potential patterns do emerge. Oh, I love that. I love. Can we just say that I just love that? If that were like a title, a poem title or something, mm-hmm. I really like it. But some potential patterns do emerge. The structure of this paper really weirds me out. It doesn't seem to have, like, a structure I'm familiar with. It's super professional and somewhat strange at the same time. It's almost like a mix of a professional paper and, like, a journalism gotcha. (laughs) Like, you know, like, that very much seems like a BuzzFeed thing. But some potential (laughs) patterns do emerge, dot, dot, dot. And she was found dead the next day. Like, some true crime thing. Anyway, (laughs) uh, it goes on to say... Although there was a wide variability in the reports and the data set is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis, there was some clustering of UAP observations regarding shape, size, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tended to cluster around U.S. training and testing grounds, but we assess that this may result from a collection bias as a result of the focused attention greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas, unit expectations, and guidance to report anomalies. So the most, the most common pattern they're seeing is sightings around 
U.S. bases, essentially, because mm-hmm. that's they're taking reports from U.S. Mm-hmm. armed forces, men and women. Why am I more and more getting a feeling like this is coming around to say, like, we need a branch of the military and we need to fund the shit out of it maybe, because these things are happening around our bases and are therefore a problem? Maybe this is Space Force coming back for round two. Space Force. Space Force. God, that show was good on Netflix. Did you see it? <laughs> no. Steve Carell is amazing. Well, uh, yes, he is. All right. Next heading. And a handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology. It's like journalism, right? Yeah. That, it's so weird that it's starting uh, the beginning of the sentence like yeah. that with an and. That's so weird. It is. Maybe that's Their English speak. teacher is probably turning over in their grave right now. You think their English teacher is dead? I'm assuming so because I'm saying like, middle school English teacher of whoever wrote this report. And I'm assuming this is probably, I mean, I'm assuming it's an older person. I don't know. All right. In 18 incidents described in 21 reports, observers reported unusual UAP movement patterns or flight characteristics. So yeah, in the majority of reports, it's not flying as we know it to fly. Some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, Maneuver abruptly or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. What the fuck? In a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. So that's interesting. They're also giving off a radio frequency. That makes me feel tingly. <laughs> that whole paragraph makes me feel tingly. Like it's so menacing. Mm-hmm. And they're taking, they're tr- probably trying to make it sound like that because they want us to think this is a threat. That's, I think, what the American government's angle or whoever's doing this. So they can get money? Yeah. So that we can have another overbloated branch of government to right, research like, it. <laughs> I mean, is that not how the world I'm works? I'm just saying that task force better have no more than 20 people and it better all be like the greatest. <laughs> it better be well, the 20 the best thing. and brightest. Are then I gonna... would say that that's not overfunded. Are they going to hire, you know, respected professionals in the UFO field who've been doing this for years? Or are they going to hire like Project Paperclip? Yeah. Like, are they going to hire a bunch of pencil pushers who are going to tell them what they want to hear? I'm hoping they'll hire some Einsteins. That would be nice. I don't know. Don't have that much faith in the government. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And as I continue reading the government document, the UAPTF holds a small amount of data that appear to show UAP demonstrating acceleration or a degree of signature management. Additional rigorous analysis are necessary by multiple teams or groups of technical experts to determine the nature and validity of these data. We are conducting further analysis to determine if breakthrough technologies were demonstrated. Yeah, I keep I should just read the whole thing because I keep talking about and then they answer my questions. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to try and find experts. It sounds like. Uh, yeah. And uh, going on says UAP probably lack a single explanation. Uh, the UAP documented in this limited data set demonstrate an array of aerial behaviors, reinforcing the possibility there are multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations. Our analysis of this data supports this construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. We have airborne clutter, we have natural atmospheric phenomena, 
U.S. government or industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all other bin. Um, with the exception of the one instance where we determined with high confidence that the reported UAP was airborne clutter, specifically a deflating balloon. Oh, shout out to the deflated balloon. <laughs> we currently lack sufficient information in our data set to attribute incidents to a specific explanation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this sounds so repetitive that I'm having deja vu. Yeah, it really is super specific, and it makes me question why they're dumbing it down so much. <laughs> like, are the lawmakers, do they need it that simplified? And that, like, maybe this is a tactic to just drill at home? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, why don't you, uh, the next part breaks down, like, those different categories that yeah. I talked about, and they're going to, like, go into <clears throat> it in depth. Like, will you take us through it? The first category is airborne clutter. These objects include birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, drones, or airborne debris like plastic bags that muddle a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets such as enemy aircraft. So stuff that gets in the way. It makes me really sad that like litter Walmart bags here. and litter could be, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I mean, not just Walmart, everybody oh, else too. Poor Mother Earth. Yeah. Uh, the next category, natural atmospheric phenomena. This includes ice crystals, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. I think this is why they point out they need more than one system because, right. you know, they each have their individual purpose mm -hmm. for this. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the next one is USG or industry development programs. Some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by U.S. entities. We are unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. That's kind of a big deal. They're basically saying, yeah, it might be the U.S. government, but we ain't telling. <laughs> <laughs> and like that might, that well, might actually... It, well, it could be that it could be a government program that only less than 50 people are authorized to know about. Yeah, and... But that's just the thing. Even if that is true, that might negate like half of these sightings. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I don't true. know. It's I still a believe. mystery, though. At the end of the day, it's still like we yeah. still don't know what's going on. Well, I don't believe they're all U.S. government vehicles, but still. And the last one is foreign or sorry, two more foreign adversary systems. Some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation or a non-governmental entity Man, calling out China and Russia there. And um, and then other, which is huge. Wait, before before we read other, okay. what do you think is going to be an other? <laughs> what well, is I did not read, one of those I things? I did skim this earlier. Oh, okay. But, um, my general first impression was like anything they don't care to explain, <laughs> which seems maybe right, but we'll see. What do you okay. think? Um, I would love to see uh, them just say something not of this world. Like, you know, any kind I of mention of, like, something from outer space. High hopes, baby. High hopes. Okay. Let's Let's see. do it. Intergalactic. I'd like to see that word in other. <laughs> How cool would it be origin. to see intergalactic with the White House heading at the top? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I should just write a letter to Joe Biden and ask him to sign it for me. <laughs> Perfect. With intergalactic. Ooh, yeah. All right. Other. Although most of the UAP described in our data set, pro data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection, processing, or analysis, 
we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. So some of them are identified because we don't know what we're looking at, and we, need, we don't know because we don't know, essentially. <laughs> Goes on to say, we would group such objects in this category pending scientific advances that allowed us to better understand them. The UAPTF intends to focus additional analysis on the small number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. Does signature management mean they think someone's manning the craft? I That would be my guess that that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. I'm going to do like a super quick Google. Yeah, Like do if it, you don't please. mind, like, of course. Um, go ahead and if you want, go ahead and keep going. And okay. I will look on, I will check on what signature management is referring to. Yeah, so this is, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this because other is huge. And this is, I think, what all of us enthusiasts are looking for. It's in the other bin because they're essentially saying anything that we can't pin down because we can't, we can't say that it's technology that China or Russia have. We can't say it's trash in the air. We can't say it's natural. So this is what we're going to say. You know, we can't say it was, uh, the you know, it might be the USA. I feel like that might be a cop out now that I think about it. Like they can always be like, oh, it might be our, our own stuff. But, uh, but this is huge. I mean, they're basically saying that a lot of them we can't figure out. Yeah. We don't have the technology to figure out. And that's what scares people, I think. Um, and to get back with you about signature management, mm -hmm. you were pretty much right. Like okay. it is um, it, it's basically talking about um, pattern of life mm -hmm. or activity based intelligence. So you could be the most well camouflaged thing in the world. But if you move around like in a pattern, a recognizable mm -hmm. pattern, like you're still going to stick out. Yeah, exactly. So. You were right. Perfect. Oh, I love being right. <laughs> um, do you want to read the next section? That's yeah. the end of that. And we've got another big all caps heading that says <laughs> UAP threaten flight safety and possibly national security. Bum, bum, bum. UAP pose a hazard to safety of flight and could pose a broader danger if some instances represent sophisticated collection against U.S. military activities by a foreign government or demonstrate a breakthrough aerospace technology by a potential adversary. Aliens. <laughs> That's like the whole vibe of this. And then paper. literally it says, <laughs> cough, it says asterisk, cough, aliens. <laughs> literally. Cough, asterisk. <laughs> so basically we're afraid of these bitches because we ain't know what they got. Right. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know them, and we don't like them. <laughs> you ain't from around these parts, are you? Nope. <laughs> so that's me to the aliens. And for the record. <laughs> so there's on the next part: ongoing airspace concerns. Uh, when a when aviators encounter safety hazards, they are required to report these concerns. Depending on the location, volume, and behavior of hazards during incursions on ranges. Pilots may cease their test and or training and land their aircraft, which has a deterrent effect on reporting. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, if they, they might have this big thing going on out there and 
they got up early and gassed up the planes and got everything ready to go and they're on this whole mission and if somebody reports something then everyone's got to touch down and then if you have no evidence you'll be the one that brought down all mm-hmm. the planes would you want to yeah. be that guy and you have to be the one who goes up to your commanding officer and who's like oh i think i saw something i saw an alien sir yeah and all the you know if you if you don't know how it works in the armed forces like if one person messes up Everyone gets yeah. punished. It's a group effort. So you don't want to be the one who makes your, you know, squad do a bunch of burpees. <laughs> like you just don't want to do it. Uh, oh, and then they say, I like this. They say they have 11 reports of documented documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with a UAP. That's so amazing. either these things are coming after us mm-hmm. or we're just accidentally like... You know, fender bendering with UFOs. Yep. Uh, but the let's see. Then where are we at? Okay, so our we next... only have like we're about almost done. Just wanted to throw excellent. That in. Um, and we're still continuing talking about threats and and against national security. Um, the next part is potential national security challenges. We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. Okay. All right. Well, I guess they're just saying we can't prove it. (laughs) Yeah. We continue to monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they would pose, particularly as some UAP have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the United States government's most advanced sensor systems. So what do you think that means? Sounds like to me that they think these craft are coming close to our highest highest advanced technology to get a good look at it. It's interesting, right. yeah, like that, you know, or I wonder, too, if we had that technology more widely available, then would there just be that many more? Yeah, or are they trying to communicate? Like, can they tell where our most advanced, com- like, technology is? And maybe they're assuming that that's the be- their best chance at communicating with us. You know, it's like picking up a cell phone versus tuning in on the radio. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. All right. We're on the last section of this preliminary assessment. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us thus far. This has been very heavy, but very cool at the same time. Oh, and I also wanted to say, even though we're not done yet, but thanks for sitting and doing this with me, Mel. This of is course. really cool. Like, it's so much fun to sit here and you read this report. Thank me. This is amazing. Well, I and have to because it's such a pleasure. So Aww, thank you, you so much. I love you, too. Uh it's cool because it's happening right now. Yep. And it's, there's not a lot of topics we like that are current. So Absolutely. This last section is called Explaining UAP Will Require Analytic Collection and Resource Investment. Why do I get the sense that they could just stop right there? <laughs> and, like, they're just going to keep saying that over and over again. Yeah, they're mostly just going to, like, get a tiny more detailed. Side, you know, sorry, it's just like a, a very, prediction. <laughs> it's like a very wordy outline Mm -hmm. you know it's like a very fleshed out outline is what i would call this that makes more sense now when i look at the structure 
standardize the reporting, consolidate the data, and deepen the analysis. That's their little blue. All of the blue it. headlines are kind of journaly. We are going to build amazing <clears throat> lasers that can give us information and readouts on shit out there that we don't know what it is. And we're just going to science the fuck out of it. And we're going to get so much information. And we're going to have, like, we're going to be able we're to point be the things. Best. And, like, we're going we're gonna to have, like, a tricorder soon. Oh, so I don't know what that is. Uh, Star Trek thing. Okay. <laughs> the well, tricorder classic. is the, you know, if you know, you know. If you All don't right. know, All you right. don't care. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to read this paragraph and we'll see how bad it is. Ready? Let's go. In line with the provisions of Senate Report 116-233, accompanying the IAA for FY 2021, the UAPTF's long-term goal is to widen the scope of its work to include additional UAP events documented by the broader swath of USG personnel and technical systems in its analysis. So we're going to throw people at the problem. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it the scope bigger. As the data set increases, the UAPTF's ability to employ data, data ana analytics to detect trends will also improve. Makes sense? Naturally. The initial focus will be to employ artificial intelligence machine learning algorithms to cluster and recognize similarities and patterns in features of the data points. That's so awesome. We're going to send our remote science robots to go do science for us. I love it. I love everything about it. It scares the shit out of me. I love it. We're Let's genius. go. <laughs> As the database accumulates information from known aerial objects, such as weather balloons, classic, high-altitude or super-pressure balloons, and wildlife, machine learning can add efficiency by pre-assessing UAP reports to see if those reports match similar events already in the database. So they're kind of taking a lot of the, the grunt work out of reporting and analyzing, which is yeah. awesome. Another shout-out to my homies, the weather balloons. <laughs> the partially deflated weather balloons, like, me too, weather balloon. Me too. <laughs> Oh, there's a little bullet point here that says the UAPTF has begun to develop interagency analytical and processing workflows. It's a lot of buzzwords <laughs> to ensure Synergy. both collection and analysis <laughs> will be well informed and coordinated. Yeah, so they're just they're communicating. Mm -hmm. The majority of UAP data is from U.S. Navy reporting, but efforts are underway to standardize incident reporting across U.S. military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidents and any U.S. activities that might be relevant. That's kind of vague, but it seems like they're implying something that I'm not privy to, right? Are they going to use looking for UFOs as a cover to broaden their spy network? Yeah, or like start another Cold War like type thing. How closely thing. do we want them to like look at this and analyze? When I think about it that way, like what kind of technology are we really calling to be summoned from the portals of hell? And what is the consequence of doing so? And what choices are we really so making? You think, <laughs> you think we're going to create some kind of super doom technology? I'm saying don't think it? we won't. And we already have. So <laughs> it's happened before. Oh. It's just, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting so hyped up at the end of this because I feel like it's, I'm getting more and more excited the more that I think that they're actually going to really start looking into this. And everywhere they're going to have like a form now 
Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, you know, get on the app or get log into your secure email and fill out form 6-87-alpha. UA, UAP sighting report. <laughs> Are you talking like they wrote this article? <laughs> I'm, it's starting to rub off on me. Sorry, <laughs> Okay, so, all right. They're going on to say that they're collaborating with the U.S. Air Force and the Federal Aviation Administration, which is huge. That means commercial pilots will be able to report. Puck, and there yes. are a couple little bullet they? points. Right. Sorry, what'd you say? Why wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are three little bullet points. Um, although USAF data collection has been limited historically to the Air Force, it's sorry. This is just so weird oh, to read. So heavy. <laughs> they basically started a six-month pilot program mm-hmm. in November 2020 to collect data in the most likely areas that they encounter UAP, and that's they're trying to evaluate evaluate how to go forward collecting information with the Air Force in the future. So they're going to start using the Air Force to investigate, and they're going to have a task force proactively developing special lasers. <laughs> you know, like to see things better. But they're actually going to proactively go out and seek out UFO technology. That's pretty big, I think. Yeah. They might have been doing that before, but they're telling us they're doing it now. It almost feels like a declaration of war. That's a little dramatic. but I'm going to call it a scientific expedition because Love I'm it. an optimist. <laughs> Love it. And for no other reason, because <laughs> I have no proof that I should feel this way. All right, the second bullet point, the Federal Aviation Administration captures data related to UAP during the normal course of managing air traffic operations. The FAA generally ingests this data when pilots and other airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. So they're saying they already do this? Yeah, they already take it in, so it should be pretty easy, I guess. To hook them up if they didn't mm-hmm. tell. <laughs> uh, last point. In addition, the FAA continuously monitors its system for anomalies, generating additional information that may be of use to the UAPTF. The task force, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're able to isolate data of interest and make it available. They have a robust and effective outreach program that helps the UAPTF reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting UAP. So it sounds like the FAA has a good I love it. It's a mandate. It's a mandate to collect this stuff. I love Mm it. All right. We're almost done. I got you. Do you want to read our last two paragraphs? Yeah. So um, expand collection is the next heading. And the task force, and also I'm mixing in my own words at this point as well, so I'm not literally reading this verbatim, but... The task force is looking for novel ways to increase collection of UAP cluster areas. Shout out to uh, Politis. (laughs) (laughs) Clusters. Uh, Cluster areas uh, when U.S. forces are not present as a way to baseline standard, quote unquote, UAP activity and mitigate the collection bias in the data set. One proposal is to use advanced algorithms to search historical data captured and stored by radars. 
The task force also plans to update its current interagency UAP collection strategy in order to bear relevant collection platforms and methods from the Department of Defense and the IC. So basically, um, it's just what I was talking about earlier. They're mm-hmm. going to just set like computers and robots, <clears throat> science robots to go out and science for them. Yeah. And, and that's going to be awesome. I, I guess what's good about this because it doesn't mean a ton to me. I guess the benefit of this is that it's in writing that they have to do it, right? Yeah. Or that, like, it's, you know, it's like, I mean, they're just making this unclassified, too. Like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, like, this is, like, what their priorities are mm-hmm. at the moment. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then finally, is this the end? Mm-hmm. Oh. Basically, after this is the Yeah, and then it's just an appendix. Okay, so increase investment in research and development. I so called it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Make them scared. Give us money. (laughs) You were on it. Yes. You did call it. Good one. Okay. Um, The task force has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further the future study of the topics laid out in this report. Such investments should be guided by a UAP collection strategy. UAP and research and development technical roadmap and a UAP program plan. Well, that's that. That's that. <laughs> so can I sum out loud for my own cognitive processing? Absolutely. So these things are real. Most of them act in a way that we don't understand and we can't understand where they're coming from. It happens more and more often all the time and with the advancement of technology. That's almost directly from the report. Yeah. And... Most of them, some of them are intentionally trying, maybe some of them are endangering our aircraft. (laughs) So they might be a threat. And we're just going to make it real easy for everyone to report and try to take away the stigma of UFOs. Is that what they're trying to say, I think? Also, and please invest, you know, Congress dollars in this. I haven't been this happy and since since I found out um, that the CDC has a protocol for a zombie apocalypse. They so really do? Yeah, they have an actual protocol. <laughs> and it's awesome. a little bit of a joke, but it's also like, no, really, this is, this is, what, you this do. is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in yeah. case of an I am legend. And then like, that's, this, this is how I feel right now is like the same way I feel when I found that out. So if you're just finding it. that out, I'm really happy <clears throat> for you. I hope it's a good moment. <laughs> Well, and I remember as a kid, I mean, I could never imagine that this type of stuff would be being talked about, like, publicly. Like, I can talk about this with my coworkers and not weird them out. And the government's acknowledging it, of course. And I remember as a kid, didn't they just finally acknowledge Area 51 was, like, a thing in, like, 2001? Like, until, and for a long time, Area 51 was still a conspiracy and people were thought to be crazy for thinking that we had, like... But also it was the perfect cover for them to develop, you know, aerial technology during the Cold War that's now declassified, too. See, I think they were developing technology because they had alien technology to reverse engineer. Hey, that's both of those theory. things can exist at the same time. Like oh, those, of course. Yeah, we yeah walk, I'm not trying to negate your theory at all. My no, bad. yeah. No, you could. No, <laughs> I feel it. I want you to know that yeah. I agree with you. Like, these <clears throat> things could go together, potentially. For sure. I just had such a moment of empathy for Carol Rainey. 
Really? And right I have now? to talk about it. Yeah, sure, just now ahead. it hit me while we were talking. Um, go for it. One of the authors of the UFO book that we covered in uh, the second show, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, one of the authors about the UFO book, Carol Rainey, my homegirl, I was roasting her so bad about um, how she didn't have to talk for like over half a page that she found that she herself was believable and that Bud Bud Hopkins was believable. Yes. Yeah, and now I think about it because we officially live in a world where these things are now acknowledged openly in a way, you True. know, to a point. But the world was so much different mm, then. True. And, you know, maybe yeah, they would have been called crazy. Perspective. You know, maybe it was a really radical thing at that time, like, and certainly more radical than it is now. So yeah. I feel like I can understand how that might affect her writing style yeah, and apologies. her insecurities. Apologies to Carol Rainey for being <laughs> a little too harsh. I respect you so much I, as a woman <laughs> journalist and author. I do kind of apologize for what I've said, <laughs> but. <laughs> But she's so much above me. Like she's she's mm. such a I, she's such a hero to me, and I look up to her. I feel like nothing that I say matters anyway, because I'm nobody compared to what she's accomplished. So, I think this means a lot to the UFO community. Um, finally, the government's acknowledging what people have been calling each other crazy about for decades now. Almost a century, maybe, because UFO sightings have been around since the dawn of time. Yeah, they acknowledge that the research that these people have done um, needs to be more, needs to be less stigmatized. So, I agree. Yeah, it makes sense. God, sorry, I keep hitting my mic. You know, and I think, I'm really happy this news came out. I'm also really excited to see what they come up with, because this is just the beginning. And we have no idea what's coming. It sounds to me like potentially it may be the beginning of like our future space industry. Oh, you know, like it starts with a task force, a UAP task force. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, maybe that starts like a whole new sector in the economy and things that we are like globally focused on, maybe. And like maybe we'll end up using those crazy lasers and stuff that I keep talking about that haven't been mentioned by anybody but me tonight. (laughs) But the lasers may may end up helping us solve really big problems in mankind. And you never know. And the willingness to be open and be willing to study these things like there's no limit to what it could do. Yeah. And that's exciting. I see how this could go horribly wrong. For mankind, <laughs> like those face lasers, I'll talk about them and make them legit. <laughs> they like could be used for bad, you know. It's like the dark side, like, like it's secret. all this technology that we're developing because we're like, oh, we just want to catch up to the aliens. We could also use it to crush our enemies. Like they call out China and Russia in the foreign category of objects and say these might be their military objects. Like that's a little suspicious. I'm going to say that in every episode. It could be. <laughs> it's a little suspicious. It sure is. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. It, um. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 1045. Look at us old women. <laughs> I'm about Do we have to turn any more? into a pumpkin. Do I have um, any more? 
it's exciting. It's exciting for so many things. It deserves like, it's a topic that deserves many, many hours Mm -hmm. to really like sift through all of these things, talk about it, put it together. And I think that that would be a worthwhile conversation to have if I were a superhuman. I would talk about this like for a long time. I think we should uh, definitely do running updates on everything that the committee does and keep everyone updated. Oh, yeah. We're so. going to find all about the task force and the space elevator. And we will submit and our resumes to join the task force. Oh. We'll keep you updated on that, too. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, check out our Patreon at Everything Under the Moon. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And tell all your family and friends about us. Oh, and if you want to send us an email about anything that you would like us to talk about, maybe you have a story or an experience that you would like to share with us, Mm -hmm. you can send us an email at tellmelandstell at gmail.com. That's two L's in Stell, one L in Mel, tellmelandstell at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon. And come back and see us next week when we are going to be finishing up our whichever episode we feel like Ray Mars Hollow. Oh, Ray Mars yeah, Hollow part we two. Should, I should explain a little bit. Uh, <laughs> my dad, who is featured in our next, our part two of Ray Mars Hollow, he has some great uh, second person stories to tell. Um, he is hosting my sister who just got out of the army and came back to, or, you know, is in the army and just came back to the U.S. So he's doing some family stuff right now and couldn't come in for an interview. So we are going to get him in. We're going to interview him hopefully tomorrow. And have Congrats on getting out. your sister back. It's exciting, too. She is in the same time zone as me, and I am, or not really. She's only one hour away from me, and that is amazing. That is amazing. So, very proud of her. So, uh, I think that's it for updates. Check out our Instagram, too, and we also have all of our episodes on YouTube if you prefer to listen that way. Just give uh, us a Google. Incoming, maybe something to look forward to. Stell is going to start uh, creating a vlog of all of our legend tripping adventures and misadventures yeah stay tuned (laughs) some urban exploration maybe oh there's lots of stuff coming guys you don't even know all right we'll come back next week on everything under the moon with mel and stell